The one thing I forgot to mention about the wells that we have purchased, some of you may know this, but when we give 10000 towards a well in Africa, that through the New Jersey network, there is a corporation that's actually doing matching funds. So as we give 10000 there's another corporation that will match those funds and give 10000 So literally, instead of building one well, we're building two wells. So over the past two years now, we have built four wells. And I've said this. Yes, praise the Lord. I, I've said this. There's no greater investment you can make than that investing in missions. And to think that we brought clean water to villages, and not only clean water, but they bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now through Convoy of Hope to minister to 20,000 boys and girls who were taken captive in human trafficking and now have been set free. Man, is there... Is there, come on, can you think of a greater investment? Praise the Lord. Well, we're in this series entitled, Out of the Shallows. Can you remember as a kid taking your first jump into the deep end? Come on, remember taking your first leap into the deep end? For me, it was more of a slide into the deep end. I was eight years old. I circled. It was eight feet deep. It was one of those iconic moments where it became a Kodak moment where my dad had to take a picture. That is down in Miami Beach at the Carib a Hotel. My dad was a sales manager for Prudential and almost every spring he made the conference and instead of he, he, he would get expense money for he and my mom to fly and to stay, it usually was at the Fountain Blue Hotel or the Americano. And, um, uh, and, and he would take the expense money. Instead of use it for just he and my mom, we would drive down to Florida and he would take the whole family. What I remember about this is two years later, we upgraded to a new hotel called Hawaiian Isles. And the Hawaiian Isles, I experienced another call to the deep. I went out to the pool, and they had a high dive. Not just the diving board. I'm talking a high dive. It, it must have been 12 to 15 feet. Being 10 years old, I remember climbing up, walking to the edge, hearing the call, reverting, climbing down, and my dad saying, what's wrong with you? I climbed back up. I got to the edge, and I jumped. And it was one of those feelings where when you were halfway down, you felt like you still left your stomach up on the diving board. And I remember plunging in, swimming over to the ladder, running up, climbing up, and I mean the rest of the day was just that. Why? Because the shallow water was now boring. And I remember me and my sister trying to see who could be the first one to touch the bottom. It was a, such a big deal. Out of the shallow. This whole series is to encourage you to take another step of faith deeper in your walk in Jesus Christ. 
Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, but isn't that your job? Isn't it your job to take us deeper? Isn't it Pastor Matt's job to take the young adults deeper? Isn't it Pastor Todd's job to take our children deeper? Isn't it Pastor Jamal's job to take our young people deeper? Isn't it Pastor Bonnie's job to take us deeper in worship? That's what you may think. But do you know that sheep feed themselves? Sheep feed themselves. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And as you're turning there, starting with verse 11, we, we really don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. But we do know this, that he's writing to Christians who are probably second generation. You know what that means? Second generation means they're one generation removed from the first generation, which sometimes they become less passionate, less excited. And what his thought is that as you read the book of Hebrews, he's, he's addressing second generation Christians who are contemplating about returning back to Judaism because of their lack of maturity of spending too much time in the shallow waters. Would you just stand for the reading of God's word? Change of position if you're able. Listen to what the writer says. We have much more to say about this. And I put this in yellow because I want to stop. We have much more to say about this. What's this? This is the first four chapters. How Jesus is the glory of God. How Jesus is superior to angels. How Jesus is superior to Moses. How Jesus is our great high priest. Just read the first four chapters of Hebrews. And the writer says, we have so much more we want to say about all of this, but it's hard to explain to you because you're slow to learn. Ooh, ouch. Some translations say you're dull to hear. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish what is good and evil. Wow, you're thinking about leaving right about now, aren't you? That's a, that's a pretty tough passage of Scripture, isn't it? You may be seated. This morning I want to talk about emerging from the shallows of spiritual 
intimate, uh, spiritual infancy. And what I want to do is go through these passages of Scripture here and just take a look at the symptoms of spiritual infancy. Just take a look at some of the symptoms of spiritual infancy. First, we read about slow to learn or dull of hearing. We have much more to say about this, but it's hard for me to explain. What the writer is saying, listen, I want to take you deeper in your faith, but I can't. And it's not because of me, it's because of you. You're slow to learn. You're dull of hearing. I want to take you deeper, but you're not getting it. And as I read this, I was wondering that perhaps, maybe, could this be true of us? What if I have become dull to hear? What if I have everything? What if we have everything we need from the church and from God to go deeper in our faith, but something is getting in the way? And until we make a change, no matter how many sermons we listen to, no how many podcasts we listen to, no how many small groups we attend, no how many prayer groups we attend, unless we make a change, we're not going to be able to go deeper until perhaps we get the wax out of our ears. I was thinking it's a real dangerous sign in our lives. It can be very dangerous when nothing that is said impacts our lives. That can be dangerous. When nothing that is said impacts our lives. And I believe that's what the writer is saying. I, I have so much more to say, but anything I say, you're not listening to. You're not hearing. It's not impacting your life. Now I see some husbands, I mean actually some wives looking at their husbands saying, mm -hmm. yes, I, have you ever been accused of selective hearing? Thank you, Larry, for your honesty. Yeah, yeah selective hearing. <laughs> How is it that you only hear some of the things I say and the other things you don't? But we do this all the time in Christianity, don't we? Not only in our married lives. My grandmother, God love her, my grandmother could never hear. You always had to repeat something to her twice. But when we're in a big family event where the hearing is even more difficult, my dad would say something about my grandmother. My grandmother would say, what did you say, Bill? <laughs> Isn't it amazing, even in church, how we have selective hearing? When there's a sermon on prosperity or blessing or anointing or the gifts, we're all ears. But as soon as the pastor starts preaching on stewardship, sacrifice, 
submission to spiritual authority, servanthood, suffering for the cause of Christ. We'll get our remote and press the mute button. Isn't it amazing that we live in a mute button society? I remember years ago sitting watching TV. If you didn't like what you were listening to, you actually had to get up, walk to the TV, and actually, remember, turn the dial down. And because it wasn't worth the effort, you just listened. Isn't it amazing today? Now we can just skip all the commercials through, I don't even know what it is, but something. Or we can just mute it and then unmute. We live in a mute button society. Now, what are some of the signs? I remember our first pastor down in Winchester, Virginia. I remember this evangelist who came in. And this evangelist, John Corden, said something that was so profound, so insightful, so deep, without any excitement, just as I'm speaking right now. And there was not a one amen or preach it. And I just sat there. I was like, whoa. But all of a sudden, as he got excited, and his voice started to raise and started to shudder a little bit and said bananas, everybody was like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You see, if it's exciting... If it's loud, it's the emotional. Then, brother, you've got the anointing, and I'm all ears. Or how about this one? I've heard this before. I've heard everything in the entire Bible. So there's not anything that you're going to teach me new. I don't know about you, but I learn something new every day from my devotions. And someone who is like this, I've heard everything there is in the entire Bible, usually then they go off on a tangent on demonology or they'll go real deep into eschatology or, or a study in angel, and you're less like, oh, man. Or how about this one? Zero retention ability. How many times on a Sunday morning are you challenged, you leave challenged, but you wake up Monday morning and you forget about everything that has been said. Well, one of the first symptoms is slow to learn, dull to hear. Second, wow, ouch, by now, you ought to be teachers. But you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths. What is the writer saying here? The writer saying is, as a church, we have the responsibility of training and equipping people to know their word. To the point where, yes, they should have an adequate knowledge of handling the scriptures, where they can expound the scriptures to family and friends and to co-workers. 
Now, yes, I realize not everybody can be teachers and preachers. But after a period of time, every one of us should have a working knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ to know what we believe, why we believe it, and to back up our doctrine with scriptures. But because we live in a consumer-oriented society, you know what a consumer-oriented society is? What's in it for me? One of the dangers of consumer-oriented society is we shop until we drop. And we come to church with that consumer-oriented mentality and we just keep receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving and we'll shop until we drop because we think that the end to the means is that we accumulate everything we can get. Now, let me say that's not all bad. But this is what I have learned. As much as I love to learn, as much as I love to study, as much as I love to get new insights into God's word. Let me tell you something. There's nothing greater or more exciting. It's like jumping off the high dive than sharing your faith with someone who needs Jesus Christ and encouraging them and discipling them and taking them through their walk and their journey with Christ. There's nothing more blessed, exciting than to be able to take all that we have learned and to share it with somebody else. Well, dull to hear. Ought to be teachers, but you're still having to be taught. And then the next is what I consider the greatest insult in the word of God. I mean, what he delivers next. Man. You need milk, not solid food. You know basically what the writer is saying? Act your age. Don't you hate it when someone says that? Act your age. A fifth grader doesn't want to be accused of acting like a baby. A high schooler doesn't want to be accused of acting like a middle schooler. A college graduate doesn't want to be act accused of acting like a high schooler. An adult doesn't want to be accused of acting like a child. You need milk. A sharp insult. A jab. And the truth is this. Just like there's a physical progression from being a child, from being a youth, from being an adult to being elderly, the writer to the Hebrews says just like physically, there is a process that we should be all taking spiritually. That's what I'm reading in this context. The problem is this. These people started on milk a while ago, and after all this time, 
what is it that they're still drinking? Milk. And that's where things get a little weird. And that's where things get a little unsettling. On my many missions trip, I have learned one thing, especially to third world countries. I remember the first time I was preaching and it happened that right down front row, a woman starts to nurse her child. And it was like, um, I, I, for the next 20 minutes, I think I'll address this side of the But it was just a natural in those cultures that when their child is hungry, right there in the house of the Lord, front row, without a cover-up, it was just feed the child. And it's natural. Child needs milk. The baby needs milk. I remember being in Hocona, Mexico, humble little abode church, preaching. And listen, I, I think I'm a pretty good judge of age when it comes to kids. This kid must, I know he wasn't two because of his motor skills. He might have been a big three-year-older. I'm thinking he was probably more like four, possibly even five. And you know what I'm going to say. Over on the left, all of a sudden, before I know it, I see him call up on his mom's lap, and he starts nursing. Awkward. And maybe it was cultural. I don't know. But it seemed like there was some other people in the congregation who were a little uneasy. And yes, this verse is meant to make you feel a little uneasy. The writer is saying... You're an adult, and you still need to be nursed. And within the context, what is he saying? He's saying, you got to be less dependent. You're still being taught, and you're still being fed. For goodness sake, at some time, you need to grow up, pick up the fork, and ask the question. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? You got to at some time sink your teeth into solid food and stop being so dependent on everyone else. And I'll tell you what usually happens. The Christian journey can be difficult. It can be tough. It can be hard. It can be crude. And so many times we just revert back to our infant days of being taken care of. Because the milk is a lot easier to swallow than chewing a good piece of prime rib, or I'm sorry, Libby, pork chop. 
And the writer says, I want to take you deeper. But I can't because you're so dependent on others. Another symptom of spiritual infancy is you're unskilled in the word. It was about two years ago. I took on the project of getting rid of all our popcorn. You know the popcorn ceilings? They spray the, and they just all. And my whole townhouse had popcorn ceilings. So I decided I was going to start in one bedroom. And I started scraping it dry, and that was a total mess. Then I heard you have to wet it. I wet it, and then I make, I mean, it's just scraping all. It's, it's, what a mess. And then after you're all done, you look up, and you see all these scratch marks and where you took too much of the, uh, the, uh, the, the mud off, the spackling, and then you got to skim coat it. So I'm up there climbing a ladder, skim coating it, and I mean, there's more spackle on the floor than on the ceiling. And then you get down, you take the next line, and then you go up, and then you sit there and you sand it, and then you go up and you put another coat. I mean, it took two days. I didn't know what I'm doing because I'm not skilled in it. And my wife says, maybe you should get someone who uh, is an expert in this. And selective hearing says, huh, what'd you say? I can do it. The next room I decided, let me call my friend Richie Moore. What took me two days took him 45 minutes. And he didn't even use a ladder. He comes in with his stilts and he's just do -do 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 -do. and better than that, he comes back the next day, and when he sands, and I'm thinking we're having a big mess here, he has a sander that has a vacuum attached to it. No mess! What am I saying? Skilled. He does it every day. And I believe what the writer is saying here. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant, not acquainted with the teaching on righteousness. You're, you're not in the word every day. If you were in the word every day, you wouldn't be relying upon someone else to feed you. But you would know how to handle the word. You would become skillful in the world. Well, word. You, you would know what righteousness is and the teaching of righteousness. You, you just got to take more time and discipline yourself and take a step out of the shallows a little deeper into reading your word every day. And then I thought, I asked myself this question I'm going to ask you. I know that we have all progressed physically. But what about spiritually? Post-grads, where are you spiritually? Moms and dads of young adults and children, yes, life gets crazy. But where are you today spiritually? Empty nesters, yeah. Retirees, where are you spiritually? Have you progressed spiritually? Or are you the same place you were years ago? Has your journey in faith taken you deeper in him and out of the shallows?
reason for maturity is essential. Reason for depth is essential. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, who by constant use have trained themselves. Can, can you say that with me? Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Listen, there is so much gray in the world today. So much gray in the world. Orlando, I remember when, um, oh, come on, our missionary to Columbia. Mark Devine came. I remember Mark saying these words. What makes living Christianity so much easier in Colombia? It's either black or white. In America, there's so much gray. And why we need to constantly train ourselves and read God's word is so that we can decipher between good and evil. The reason why we need to constantly train ourselves and read God's word is so that, listen, babies are no good in spiritual warfare. There's a battle that we need to train for, that we need to prepare for. And there are biblical principles that we need to know just in order to survive life. Listen, when I take a look at life and I see some of the things that I've gone through, the only things that have gotten me through it is the principles that I've learned in the Word of God. Taking a little deeper. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. I want to share with you a, a personal true story. And I got permission from this young lady to share it. In March of this year, for our 25th anniversary, people send in letters. Kristen Gallup, Kristen Delacruz, wrote out 25 reasons why I'm grateful for you. I was amazed. She said, Pastor, you wouldn't believe how easy they came. It was just so simple to do. But the last one is the one I want to share with you. You taught me to put my devotional in the bathroom so it would help me develop a habit of reading every day. This past year, I have read my devotional almost every day and look forward to it. I can hear you telling me years ago 
and can picture you sitting behind your desk saying, Kristen, it's okay just to read a little a day. And because of you, I remember that encouragement and I took baby steps. And now those baby steps have grown into reading my devotional, more of the Bible, and more eager every day to read it. So now when others, people tell me it's hard to remember to read their Bible or devotional every day, I tell them, my pastor told me to put it in the bathroom, and now I'm hooked. Real simple, isn't it? Take me a little deeper. Draw me a little closer. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. Love is so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. second service in the second service pastor matt is coming now to to lead i'm going to be over in building b but as we close this morning maybe you're here this morning and you say pastor i'm not even in the shallows i'm still standing on the shoreline i haven't even dipped my foot into a relationship with jesus christ well i want you to know that god loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you to shed his blood to forgive you of your sins and he wants you to take a step of faith into shallow waters into a relationship of knowing him this day maybe you're here this morning and you say pastor i do not have a personal relationship with jesus christ and this morning i want to take a step of faith and i want to know him right now if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Is there, is there one who would just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, yes, God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? I just want to take a step into the shallows, into a personal relationship to know that my sins are forgiven and I've received the gift of eternal life. Father, I pray for those who have raised their hands, who this day are giving their hearts to you, perhaps maybe recommitting their lives to you. But Lord, as they take a step of faith, I pray that you would be ever so close, ever so near to them right now. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everyone to stand if they're able. And I can't tell you how many times I've been on the opposite end of sitting out there after a message like this, being encouraged, being challenged, just wanting to take another step and then going home. Monday morning rolls around and it's the same old, same old. So therefore I thought maybe this morning before Monday morning rolls around, same old, same old. Maybe you could take that step of faith right now. Pastor, I want to go deeper. 